0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition. Now, Federal has come out with a new turkey load called the Heavyweight TSS or the Heavyweight Tungsten Super Shot. Now, this is a tungsten alloy material and it's 18 grams per cubic centimeter density. Now what this means is it is it's 22% higher than standard tungsten and 56% higher than lead. So it is a a very dense material and it has the ability to travel at high velocities and continue that velocity at longer distances. It has deadly patterning and it also has something called flight control flex and that is when that rear braking wad performs flawlessly through ported and standard turkey chokes so if you want to find out more information about the heavyweight tungsten super shot visit federalpremium.com and while you're there don't forget to check out their podcast and their blogs tons of great content
1: hello and welcome to episode 89 of the ohio huntsman podcast and today we're going to talk about introducing new shooters to shooting to firearms we uh we sort of come at this from a a couple different avenues if you will because Jacob and I both have young kids and so you know what are we doing to expose them to firearms and teach them about firearm safety and that sort of thing and Jeff has Nieces that are a little older, and he's you know done some shooting with them, and and uh, taken one of them hunting with him, and and so a couple different avenues, and we've also just you know been around or invited people to come shooting for the first time, and you know kind of talk through how some of those experiences have gone and what we've found that works and things that we're trying with our kids and you know things that we found that don't work or, or that aren't helpful so that's what we talk about today before we get into that though I need to pause here and talk about our sponsor Mastin's deer Sense. so Mastin's is a, a deer scent company uh, by the name they've also got predator um, enhancement sense. So if you're looking for something like for trapping or things like that, they've they've got some things for you there as well. And the the one thing, or one of the many things that I really like about Mastens is it's not just liquid scent. They've got a lot of different and, and what I consider unique product offerings. They've got scented gel crystals, which you can actually refresh with their liquid scents. They've got scented candles, which normally you think, you know, flowery, you know, Yankee candle or something like that. But these are these are deer scented candles. So you can get like a, an estrus candle. Then you can use those in their double scent stacker and actually allows you to run two scents at, at one time. And it's just good stuff. We've had good luck with it. And so as you're start starting to think about either running cameras for monitoring antler growth, or you know, you're starting to, to I mean, I know us deer nuts are our, our deer nuts, as you're starting to think about this upcoming fall hunting season, if scent is something that you're you're wanting to use, maybe check out Mastins. You can go to mastinsdeersense.com and shop around, see what they have, order right on their website, or If it's easier, just go to OhioHuntsman.com slash sponsors, and there'll be a link there to take you to their website. So with that, let's get into the conversation with Jacob, Jeff, and I. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? Uh. Today on the show, we're going to talk about, we're going to do another episode on guns. We did one on what's the best deer gun, just in general. Now, this one is going to be more triggered, not triggered. I'm already got guns on the brain. Um, targeted. See what I'm, I'm see what I'm doing there. Uh, <laughs> to um, getting youth into shooting. What kind of guns? You know, what? How do you how do you best start a youth out shooting? And you know, what's what's a good path or or a good gun for them? <clears throat> I've got a four year old daughter who. You know, we're just kind of getting into that. Jacob's got a daughter. Jeff has young nieces that, you know, he's uh, exposed to firearms and things like that. So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, I want to kind of chat because we've kind of touched a little bit on, you know, this whole pandemic and coronavirus thing. And it's uh, what is it? It's the Monday after Easter when we're recording this. So we're, you know, we're, things seem to be looking better, at least in Ohio, but I will, I'll tell you one thing I've had, (coughs) as you hear me cough, I've had this lingering cough and I'll tell you this, this coronavirus, it, uh, it screws with your brain because like it, it, I don't know. I, I I go back and I'm like, well, maybe I have it or I had it and now I've got this lingering cough and maybe I just didn't, you know, experience the bad symptoms. You know, I was kind of sick there for a couple days, I, you know, but it like it messes with your brain because you just don't know. So, right. That's my sort of personal experience. I've got this linger, and, and I'm admittedly so the type of person that when and if I get a cough, it sticks around for a long time. It's not uncommon for me to get a, a cough. Or, you know get a cold. You know February March time frame. And then get a cough that sticks around. For. A, a while. You know a month. Um, but so. So that being said. You know we're, things are starting to look. Better and, and maybe. Here and you know by the time you guys hear this episode. We'll have. I'm sure we'll have more information or. Or new information, but Jake, with you and your wife working in the medical field, I am having trouble envisioning what, like getting back to, re- you know, whatever quote unquote regular life looks like after this, because let, you know, uh, the way I, I'll, I'll, explain what I'm picturing in my head and you can tell me where I'm being ignorant or, or whatever, but uh, we, It seems like, from what I'm reading, Ohio has done a good job sheltering in place. Our numbers are low, comparatively speaking, to surrounding states. You know, it it seems like we were one of the early states to shelter in place. And however much trust you want to put in the numbers, our numbers seem to be comparatively lower, which would lead me to believe... What was that?
2: I was going to say, yes, I'm agreeing. Yes, at all.
1: So, which would lead me to believe that Ohio avoided getting it as bad as other states. But we all, so, you know, then I then I start thinking, okay, we're all going to start crawling out of our holes here at some point. What stops it from somebody from another state who, you know, like Michigan even is getting hit way harder with this than we are. What stops somebody from another state just bringing it back and we start this all over? Like, that's where I'm struggling. Like, how do we?
2: Absolutely nothing. There is, that. that's the problem. By flattening the curve or sheltering in place, yes, you prevent the mass everyone gets it at once and the hospitals can't handle it but by doing that you prolong to where people will continue to have this virus for ever and a day until eternity because you know what i mean you don't have immunity you're never exposed there is some schools of thought that the virus is not doesn't like the heat just like the flu virus, so that's why the flu virus goes away come spring when the temperature gets higher. The virus doesn't live on surfaces as well. Okay. Um, we can only hope. They originally said, oh, the virus doesn't like heat. It won't, you know, the heat, it can't do the heat. But, I mean, I don't know how hot, I don't think they know anything. I mean, they don't know anything about the virus yet. So, that they're just kind of figuring it out on the fly. Um, that only holds a little bit of water in my mind because Florida is obviously a much warmer state and they're having all kinds of problems.
1: Right.
2: I mean, granted, it's not 90 degree Florida yet, but it's a lot warmer in Florida than it is Ohio. And, you know, they're struggling. So, so, but to answer your question, it, that's going to be a problem when they start to open things back up there's potentially going to be a second wave of this and what they do with that. I don't know because I don't honestly believe if they try to shut everything down, I don't think people are going to listen.
1: So like does they it did the be- first time. Yeah. Does it become more of, or less of preventing, trying to prevent people from getting it and more of like people are going to get it, but hopefully by that point we'll be, better prepared. We'll have more ventilators available. We'll have more PPE. That's exactly
2: what it is. Yes. That's the idea. By flattening the curve, you don't have that spike that overwhelms healthcare to where people are going to die because they don't have access to healthcare. There's not enough vents. There's not enough ICUs to treat people. That's the whole idea is preventing that. People are going to die Unfortunately, because that's just the nature of the beast. Um, But the idea is at least the people that are getting super sick from it at least have access to an ICU bed. And then whether they survive or not is up to modern medicine. But um, it prevents the I'm sick and dying and can't breathe and there's literally nowhere to put me. Right. So that's the idea behind it. Um, but no, you're right. When they start opening things up, people are. And then they're also. there's talk now that there's um, some tests that they're coming out with that aren't really testing to see if you have it actively, but they're testing for antibodies to see if you ever had it, which oh, I'm hopeful about. <laughs> Um, that what that will start to show is that a lot of people have had it and just were asymptomatic or had it and it was just what they thought was just a cold (laughs) or, you know, a mild case of the normal flu or whatever. Um, I'm hoping when they start testing people for antibodies, they find that a lot of people actually have antibodies and then at that point we can move forward and we don't have to hide from each other anymore because there's people that are immune to it Uh, but then there's the whole thing depending on what you believe or don't believe in the media that they're saying some people are getting infected a second time is that true I don't know I, I don't know but that's also something I've read or seen that you may not be if you get it once you might not be immune to it whether that's because the virus is mutating changing or they're not actually getting infected twice. That's all. Unfortunately, no one knows.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, just thinking about that critically, right? Like, that shouldn't be possible, right? I mean, from what we know about, like, viruses, right. you, your body right. develops. Immunity. immunity,
2: right. Which is why the flu
1: shot works. Right.
2: Um, but... Viruses also can mutate and change, which is why you have to get a flu shot every year. Right. As opposed to, you know, the chicken pox vaccine or the pneumonia vaccine, those viruses don't change as readily. They're not as adaptive. So that's why those aren't annual vaccines, you know, where you get your whatever, your tetanus vaccine. Same thing. That's good for... A much longer period of time because it, you have those antibodies and the virus itself doesn't change.
1: So, te- so, and, and we're way not on top. I mean, I wanted to talk about this, but you just mentioned tetanus. So is that why you need to get tetanus shots updated every now and then, be- or are those only good for so long? Or is it because tetanus sort of sure. mutates?
2: tetanus itself doesn't mutate your antibodies in your body not being exposed to it wear off
1: oh they atrophy or whatever
2: right so your antibodies from your
1: vaccine
2: because tetanus is one of those things you don't come into contact with every day but if you come into contact with it once and don't have a vaccine it can be deadly okay um You know, you don't step on rusty nails every day to re-expose yourself to that.
1: Sure.
2: So your body doesn't use it other than it gets the vaccine, it fights it off, it gets antibodies, and then it goes forever, essentially, without ever seeing it again. So your body kind of forgets that over time. Okay. Which is why you do it every 10 years, I think. This is every 10 years.
1: So, but. going back to... Coronavirus, or COVID, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it there's also I've also heard like you can get to a like a herd you can develop a herd immunity where a certain number of the population has gotten it and has uh, has developed the antibodies and therefore there's not enough people. I mean, the people that didn't get it are still susceptible to it, but there's not enough people really to pass it through a a community, you know, an area, if you will. Correct. Is that a thing? that? Is there any truth to that?
2: Yes. Now you're talking the whole should I vaccinate my children or not idea. And that goes back to like polio, smallpox, et cetera. Like smallpox was eradicated because of herd immunity. Everyone had a vaccine to it. Therefore, smallpox no longer exists but if you're not going to vaccinate your children without getting too much on a soapbox or picking a side, if you don't vaccinate your kids, that gets rid of the herd immunity to, the big one is measles, measles, mumps, and rubella, the MMR vaccine. You never see that. No one ever gets measles, mumps, or rubella anymore because everyone has a vaccine, but a lot of people are choosing not to vaccinate anymore. Which eliminates that herd immunity. And then the people who are unable to get vaccines for medical reasons are at a much higher risk. Because there are people who just can't get vaccines, whether it's an allergy to something in the vaccine, whether it's immunosuppressant, you know, they just can't, whatever, they have oh. pediatric cancer, they have whatever, they can't get vaccines.
1: See, I didn't, so I didn't realize that.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what that is all about. Why there's such an uproar over vaccinate or don't vaccinate your kids. That's because of the herd immunity. So the theory is anyone who can get a vaccine should, again, not getting into anything about what's in vaccines. Do they cause cancer or do they cause autism? That's a different conversation. If you want to talk to me about that medically, we can talk about that. That's not this podcast. Um, But the idea is do that so that you have herd immunity so that people who cannot get vaccines for legitimate medical reasons don't end up getting and dying of measles mumps etc
1: yeah i always thought that was just like they were going to they were willing to take the risk themselves they weren't going to vaccinate their kids because they felt there was a pretty pretty good chance their kid isn't going to get it and they right. didn't want to incur In the, the reason, risk of the vaccine i didn't even think about people who can't get the vaccine
2: right and that's where that argument comes and if everyone else gets it you do have a very low chance whether you have the vaccine or not because of herd immunity but as more and more as this it's a new you know push or new cool thing to do is to not vaccinate you're going to start seeing and you already have started seeing more cases i mean you never saw measles or mumps and now it's coming back
1: also and it, that's funny because it's like the same thing that everybody's touting with coronavirus is like, stay home, do your part. You might be young and, and not right. as susceptible to this, but, you know, you're going to get your grandpa sick and he might die from this or, you know, sort of thing. Right, right. And
2: Well, and <laughs> the thing that I always say is um, everybody wants to listen to what the CDC has to say now.
1: <laughs> but... <laughs>
2: You know two years ago no one wanted to listen when they recommend vaccinating yeah <laughs> but you know neither here nor there
1: <laughs> yeah okay so well, well that's our coronavirus update i'm uh, starting to go crazy w- wondering whether or not i have it or <laughs> why this cough won't go away but um uh, I guess that's also neither neither here nor there. So the topic at hand, guns. Gun show. Let's talk about guns. You guys, well, I guess we've all got some sort of recent events. Or, um, events isn't the right word, but a recent experience, I guess, with introducing youth to guns. And so we thought we would, you know, maybe there's other people that are in this boat. And the idea being this is kind of an open conversation between the three of us and any of you listeners out there that are that have either done this successfully or are in the middle of it. And, you know, things that you're trying. So for me, like I said, you know, my daughter's four. We have not taken the leap into shooting an actual firearm. We've done a lot of uh, talking about guns and and gun safety. We we you know I've shown her some of my guns and you know she likes to look through the scopes and and that kind of thing. And I and we've talked about you know where does the bullet come out? Where is you know where is the dangerous end? What does the trigger do? And those you know so I'm starting to teach her basic. PC parts of a gun, what's, you know, some of the, I, I guess it's all important, but, uh, you know, the trigger, the safety, you know, red means dead sort of thing. Um, and then the little bit of, of exposure to guns that we have done is with, um, airsoft. So I've got a little, and I I bought this years ago. I was probably a teenager when I bought it, but it's a, it's just a little airsoft pistol, but to load a BB into this thing, you actually pull the slide back and let it go. And that, you know, primes the air cylinder and loads a BB in, but it's, you know, there's no like recoil to, to automatically load a second round or anything. It's all manual single trigger pull, you know. But so we can shoot the, that in the house, and what I've done is, you know, in my hunting room, I, I set up a pillow so that these, these things aren't ricocheting everywhere, and then uh, I put a piece of paper in front of it with a, a target on it, and, you know, I, I've been working with her on, you know, trying to get her to, again, she's four, trying to get her to understand the concept of, like, lining up sights, which you know, somebody that's an adult sort of, yeah, you line the sites up, but a four year old, that's a, <laughs> it's a little bit of a complicated, uh, uh, topic for, to, to grasp. Um, but so that's, that's sort of where we are at, you know, talking about not, not only guns, but like tools you know, power tools and things like that, you know, we, we've, we've, Got these chickens, we're building a chicken coop, I'm using power tools and and she wants to help, which I I love, that's great. But just talking about how to be safe with with that kind of thing. Guns, you know, we've told her if you ever see a gun at somebody else's house, if you're over somebody else's house, what do you you know, we're drilling that into her. What do you do? I I tell a grown-up, I go find a grown-up. Do you touch it? No. You know, all of that stuff. So um that's sort of where, where we are at with, you know, a four year old, my you know, my four year old daughter. Uh, but I kinda wanna get you all's opinion and, and sort of your experiences with what you've done. So who wants to who wants to go first?
2: I'll go first. Um so I have a four year old daughter. She's gonna be five end of June. Um, and I probably haven't done as thorough of a job as I should have with kind of the talking about the gun and where the trigger is and where the bullet comes out and the red and, you know, red means dead and whatever. Um, I mean, she's luckily for me, she's not super inquisitive. Um, so she doesn't just, you know, if like a gun is laying out, she doesn't go pick it up or play with it or touch it. Like, she knows that. Um, I did buy. Uh, I was debating whether I wanted because. I have a. twenty. I have a 22, um, but I was debating for her and my son eventually whether I wanted to, you know, get them a like single shot 22 to start with or try like a BB gun or the idea was I just wanted her to start kind of like you did with your daughter is, you know, sh- shooting at paper and actually participating so that I can take her with me whenever I go, whatever, plinking cans or make it fun. Um, what I didn't take into consideration, I ended up getting a BB gun um, was she <laughs> she can't get a sight picture cause it's like a full size BB gun. So she can't get her face or head at the right distance with the length of the buttstock. Oh, so I mean, it's got a scope on it and she can't get a sight picture. It doesn't fit type thing. Um, so if I like put the gun in a lead sled, the BB gun and a lead sled, then she can, you know, stand next to it kind of and move her head forward and backwards and move it around. And I'm asking her, you know, do you see anything? Are you, do you see what's the, do you see the cross, you know, the plus sign in there? What's it pointing towards? And she tells me, and, um, I think out of all of that, I think one time she's actually pulled the trigger and shot a BB um, or a pellet, I guess it's a pellet gun, it's not a BB gun, but, um, didn't hit anything, I mean, but she thought it was fun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I, you know, I don't, don't, that's something where I struggle because as most people, I'm not just like rolling in the dough. So I don't want to like purchase a, that's my, that was my con, you know, my issue is I didn't want to purchase like a small gun that they're only going to use for a couple of years. And then they will be too big for, you know, I wanted to just get something that I could use, they could use. So that's why I decided to go with the pellet gun. I can use it to shoot squirrels or whatever, when it, if it comes to that or, you know, they can use it to shoot squirrels eventually. It's kind of my thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of swung and missed with that though. Cause like I said, it's a, what I ended up buying is a, not any BB gun is a toy, but it's not a toy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a legit yeah. air gun. <laughs> um, which again, and I intended, I wanted something that had some power and you could shoot a squirrel with or You know, if you're trapping, you could dispatch a coon with or whatever. Um, That was kind of my intention, but I wasn't considering how it doesn't fit her. Right. I'll have to figure something else out. I don't know. What I have heard is when you do start getting into like the actual firearms you know, away from airsoft or BB guns or air guns. Um, what I have heard and what I'm probably going to do is I have heard that like a single shot um, break open gun is the best. Um, and the reason being is you always know if it's loaded or not loaded. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Cause like carrying it around, your kids carrying a gun behind you or whatever you're out, squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, you know if that gun is loaded because the action's broke open. You can see. Right. And at that point, and
1: it's, if it's closed, you're just assuming that it's loaded right. and, it, right. you know, yeah.
2: Right. And it needs to not be pointing at me or anyone for that, you know. So, yeah. yeah it's well, black I mean, we, we should black be, black be, black black be assuming that guns are always loaded and not pointing at people. Well, yeah. Let's make that clear here. Yeah. But if the actions broke open and you see, I mean, you can see whether there's a load around in the gun or not. That's the nice thing about that. So that's kind of what I'm thinking I'll do. But again, that kind of limits your, on some level limits your options as to what round, you know, what gun, what.
1: Yeah. The one thing I'll say with, you know, you know, an airsoft pistol is, you know, trying to teach that, like, You know, even with an airsoft, that muzzle control—like, do not point this at anything other than the ground (laughs) or the target. With a pistol and a four-year-old, it is hard, right? It's easy to turn that gun around and, you know, swing that muzzle. It's so short, right? It's—it's a hard. There's not a lot of time to, you know correct her in the moment before she's already got it pointed at me you know she turns around to to you know oh i hit the you know and she's pointing the thing right at me you know and and in this case it's an airsoft and while i don't want to you know take a bb in the eye you know it's not going to kill me if if she does shoot me and it's a single shot so if she's she's just shot you know but it's pistol is is a hard one for you know, it's, it's easy for a new shooter to turn around or something and sweep you with the muzzle of a pistol much easier than, than a rifle. I'll say, you know, because it's just, it just takes the flick of a wrist, right. And, and the the muzzle's pointed at you. So that's one thing I wish I, I kind of wish I had a, an airsoft rifle or, or some sort of, you know, longer gun that that would be a little bit easier to, to help her understand the concept of like that needs to stay pointed that way. Sort of, you know, like, cause that's one where we struggle with or, or we've been struggling with. So,
2: yeah, I find that handguns in general are actually really bad for new shooters. Um, because in general a lot there's a lot more times you can hurt yourself with a handgun than most other guns you know you got the slide rack and back so you got to watch that you don't have your you know hand in the wrong place so you can get pinched there um, with revolvers you got to make sure you don't have your fingers in front of the cylinder you know yeah. so i i've found that handguns are Not very good for new shooters. I think for some reason, a lot of times new shooters want to use handguns like they they want to start with a handgun. And I don't know if that's because of a self-defense thing. You know, I'm more talking about adults and, you know, older children. But they they seem to want to start with handguns. I don't know if it's that they're smaller. They think that they're less powerful or what. But. I've found that they're 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 not good. They don't uh, you can scare people away from shooting pretty quickly if uh, you know they they make a mistake with a handgun. you know yeah. they can get they can get hurt and be ruined from shooting for life.
1: yeah I can I can agree with that because I've you know like adult shooters, you know, that that maybe they've shot before, but maybe this is their first time with, with handguns. I've had, you know, like after the fact, had them say that they preferred the revolver just because it like, it was easier for them to understand. And, you know, there's not all this like automatic happenings, right? Like I pull the trigger, the hammer comes back, the gun goes off. Like, you know, they, they, they liked shooting the revolver as a, as a, first time handgun over a, a semi-auto for that. I, I think for that reason, the simplicity of a revolver, it, it is easier for them to understand and know what's going on. And you're not, you know, other than, like you said, keep your, you don't want to extend your fingers out past the, the cylinder. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot other than, you know, keep the muzzle pointed down range and <laughs> don't you know, put your finger on the trigger till you're ready to shoot, sort of thing. Whereas a semi-auto, you know, there's a, you're standing there for a few minutes, like, okay, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna put the magazine, you know, and you're like going through the function, and it's just a lot for somebody that's new to it to to take in all at once, and then like they shoot it, the guns you know, it's ready to go again, you know, and they want to like turn around and like, whoa, you know, like, wow, that was, and you're like, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa,
1: you know? (laughs) Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, the semi-auto pistols can can be a little bit much for somebody new for sure.
2: Well, and I think revolvers, at least from my experience, and it probably depends on the round, but typically a revolver is a little better balanced. Um, It's not as snappy. It's not as, I don't know, even if it's heavier, it like shoots smoother. It doesn't feel like it's going to, I mean, granted, probably has a lot to do with the round. If you're putting a twenty-two through either one, it probably doesn't make a difference. But if you're talking, you know, a standard handgun, quote unquote, nine millimeter or something, I feel like a revolver is less snappy and jumpy um, than most semi-auto for whatever reason, just to well, I think it.
1: that comes from the weight, right? A revolver is typically a solid hunk of steel, whereas you know a lot of the semi-auto pistols are polymer now, and so there's you know there's weight <laughs> up top in the slide and barrel, but the grip and the frame and all that's plastic and
2: right, and also the shifting of the center of gravity when the slide racks back, right. you know, adds to sort of. Not necessarily the felt recoil, but it adds a a sensation to to the shot where a revolver doesn't have that backwards kicking sensation. Yeah. Right. Like I know my wife, I bought her a nine millimeter standard you know, standard size nine millimeter semi auto, and she'd much rather, much rather shoot dad's 357 revolver i mean any day of the week she just she likes it she can shoot it better she's more accurate she more comfortable it's just you know and my wife's not a wasn't a new shooter when i bought her that i mean she had shot before but not like by any means a lot i mean she did some shooting mostly you know like in girl scouts her marksmanship with a 22 or whatever but um, she definitely preferred that 357 revolver
1: yeah I want to pause here briefly to talk about our sponsor monster whitetail grub monster whitetail grub is a premium deer feed company who actually tries to source all of their ingredients from ohio even even the packaging so that's one good thing especially right now right there the Ohio economy, well, the entire economy is struggling with with, uh, this whole COVID-19, coronavirus outbreak, pandemic. So if you can support local businesses like Monster Whitetail Grub, I encourage you to do that. They've got a good product. We've had really good success with it. They've got, you know, their signature sort of monster white tail grub feed. It's a high-protein feed. It's it's more of a coarse feed, so the deer don't eat it as fast. And it's also got mineral mixed in. So even after the feed is gone, the deer continue to come back for the mineral. If you just want straight mineral, I know a lot of guys like to run mineral in the springtime, spring and summer. They've got that also. And then they've also got flavored corn options. So... And, and a lot of flavors to choose from. So if any of that sounds like something you want to try or something you might be interested in, check them out. Go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors, and there'll be a link there to get in touch with them and try out some of their product. With that, let's get back into the conversation. Yeah, so I guess that takes us to the next phase right jeff you're you, you know jacob and i's experience has been i mean other than our personal experiences learning to shoot but but your sort of more recent experience has been with uh, you know youth shooters that are older than four or five so right what's your experience been like with that
2: yeah i introduced my nieces um i think at the time they were eight and twelve maybe nine and 12 um, to shooting um, prior oh, to you're
1: gonna you're gonna catch hell if you got their ages wrong
2: yeah probably <laughs> but, yeah but uh i introduced them to shooting i think prior to shooting with me they had shot bb guns before okay um so i introduced them to shooting and you know uh luckily they they Picked up on it very, very quickly. Um, so what would you start with? Uh, so we started, my niece got a uh, a 22 single shot. Um, it's like a, uh, it was like a cricket, but it was made by Savage. I'm trying to think of what it was called. The Rascal, it might've been called a Rascal. Okay. But it's a twenty-two single shot. It's a it's a bolt action single shot. Um okay. had had peep sights. Um I started her with that. Um, but also the same day I brought my twenty two um which was a, a semi auto uh with a scope. And you know, I luckily they, they really picked up on the safety stuff very quickly and took it very seriously, you know, like do not point this anywhere, but basically downrange or into the ground. And, you know, this is how the gun works and safety. And so luckily they, they picked up on all that very well.
1: Now they, <clears throat> they, uh, live on a farm right
2: yes they, they so, live on a farm Yes.
1: so I would imagine they've had conversations with their parents about like this is you need to listen this is serious you know that cow can yeah. kick you in the head or whatever and kill you like they've been they've had those similar types of conversations to where like listen pay attention here
2: yeah and um and they they had had you know gun talks like you know those are guns you don't touch them unless basically there's an adult um so they they knew that kind of stuff and they sure. they understood the seriousness of firearms um but the reason that really I that got me to uh teaching them to shoot was that my older niece wanted to to go hunting um so after we had shot the 22 you know 20 30 times um she got used to that um i asked her if she wanted to to move up to the 44 magnum uh a single shot with a scope and she wanted to so because that that's a big thing with uh teaching people to shoot is you, you got to make sure that they know that this is their choice. Cause it can be scary shooting yeah. and people can get overwhelmed. Um, so I find that it's very good to make sure that you're clear that it's their choice. Like right. if they want to shoot it or not, you know, I, I didn't say, okay, now we're going to shoot this one. I said, would you like to try, you know, or you, you know, and kind of gauged your feelings on it.
1: So did you, did you try to give her some idea of what the difference is? You know, like did you show her the difference between the two rounds or did you just like, how did you expose her or, you know, give her some sense of what she might be getting into with the 44 mag?
2: So I, I shot it first so she could just kind of see like how loud it was going to be. Um, Kind of what the recoil was going to look like, you know, stuff like that. And then I also, I mean, I, I showed her the difference in the round, you know, and said, like, you know, there's, there's a big difference here. Like, you know, this is what you were shooting. This is what this shoots. You know, there's, there's a significant difference here. Yeah. Um, but I think she. Once she saw me shooting it and because the 44 mag out of a rifle um, wasn't super loud, she didn't she wasn't super intimidated. And I also kind of just let her, you know, the first time she shot it, it was like, don't really worry about, you know, so much hitting the target. Right. Like, let's just just focus on putting it in your shoulder, you know, I'm going to make sure it's in there. Right. You know, just ease the trigger back, you know, don't worry about hitting the target right now. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're pointing in a safe direction. And so it's okay. If you're not hitting the piece of paper, like you're just going to hit the, you know, the bank behind here and it's fine. Like, let's just, get over that first fear of pulling the trigger.
1: Now, was there any, to, to, to step back one one step, I guess, was there any difference or, or uh, different hesitations or preferences between the 22 single shot versus the 22 semi-auto and the open sight, you know, the the, the peep sight versus the scope?
2: Uh, she, she really liked the scope a lot better and could shoot the scope a lot better. Okay. Um, and the main thing was that the uh, the gun with the peep sight she was actually a little too big for, so the peep sight didn't really like fit her well. Like it, she in order to get a good what I would call like a good precise picture on the peep sight. Really, she would have had to have held the gun like two inches out of her shoulder, you know, to kind of make things narrow in a little bit better. Okay. Um, so she was much more accurate and could understand the concept of a scope a lot better, too. You know, that like it has crosshairs. She just put the crosshairs on it. Now, sure. my younger niece, she preferred the... Uh, the smaller gun with the with the peep sight, and I okay. think it was because it fit her well. You know, she could. It it was a smaller gun. It was lightweight. It fit her body a lot better than the longer semi-auto gun did.
1: So that's I think that's an important takeaway. There is like having a gun that that fits a youth shooter relatively well is probably pretty, cause I remember as a kid, you know, like shooting guns that were too big for me and like not enjoying it, you know, like it just, I can, I feel like I can barely hold this thing up. It's, you know, it just wasn't, I mean, obviously it didn't stray me away from guns forever, but it, it I just remember some of the, you know, and I can't think of specific examples, but just as like a general memory I do remember there being times where you know shooting a gun as a kid where it was like I don't know I did it but it wasn't like oh yeah that was great you know it was like uh, you know I don't know that kind of beat me up and uh, (laughs) I didn't really like that
2: yeah and I kind of have the the same experience I think I was very recoil and I would say even sound noise sensitive as a new shooter. Um, yeah. you know, cause I mean, back in those days it was shotgun only for, for deer hunting. And if you wanted to go squirrel hunting, you could, you know, 22 or shotgun. And I, I was a poor shooter as a child because of, being recoil sensitive and I think just the, the scariness of, of the noise. Yeah. You know, I, I was kind of, uh, I don't know what the word I want to use here was, but a scaredy cat. We'll go with that. You know, I, I well, was I pretty scared. We also, we also should clarify too, that hearing protection was not part of our upbringing. Our dad never wore hearing protection. We never wore hearing protection when we were shooting or starting to shoot. So, I mean, I, I don't remember ever wearing hearing protection until I was an adult and made the decision myself. You know, it just wasn't part of how he was raised and he didn't, you know, so shooting a 12-gauge or 20-gauge, whatever, I mean, as a kid, we didn't. It's not like we had earmuffs on. That just wasn't part of how we were raised. I mean, I bet if my dad, our dad could go back and do it over, we would all wear, I mean, our dad can't hear very well. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's based, it's because of a lot of shooting down at our cabin and, you know, and he also worked in factories his whole life, but that's um, just part of it. So the noise aspect, it kind of makes more sense knowing that we, unfortunately, were not raised wearing hearing protection. So I guess that's another thing that I would recommend um, for getting kids especially is cover their ears so that the noise isn't unbearable, especially when you're starting to get into some of the bigger guns, we'll call them. Um, I mean, I put hearing protection on my daughter when we were shooting a pellet gun. I mean, it makes no noise, and we're still wearing hearing protection, um, just because she's afraid it's going to make noise because she knows some of my guns are loud. <laughs> yeah. So it's always that's one of her first questions: is Is it going to be loud?
1: Well, ah. and kids, like especially young kids, seem. I mean, that's one thing I learned as a as a parent is like <clears throat> they are, and and I, I'm sure every kid is different, but I know Ella is like. Very noise sensitive, like the vacuum cleaner, too loud. She wears earmuffs when the, you know, hearing protection earmuffs when we're running the vacuum cleaner, the blender, like too loud. She, you know, it. she needs yeah. or she wants hearing protection, which is fine. Uh, you know, we've, we've got a pair and that's another thing I'll say is like, you know, don't try to put your adult size Hearing protection on them. It's It's going to slide off. It's not going to fit. Well, it's, you know, we, we bought her, you know, youth sized muffs so that they fit her well and, and they work well and they're pink and she loves them. And, you know, so that's definitely a good tip is, you know, that the hearing protection. So Jeff, uh, where we were, we were getting into the 44 mag and, you know, kind of talking about how that was going. So you want to pick back up there?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I got her shooting the 44 mag and, uh, she, she picked up on that fairly well too. Um, and I think she, she liked shooting the 44 mag, uh, more because i had a better scope you know my my 22 just kind of had a, a cheap scope on it you know where the 44 magnum had a, a better scope you know it wasn't top of the line by any means but it had a much clearer sight picture and okay you know uh, a much larger uh field of view on it so she you know could kind of see better you know it was a lot easier for her to find the target sure and then uh after we had done all that then i you know i had my handgun there and was shooting it and i asked her if she wanted to try that which she she did and i mean that one i i you know gave her a lot more uh hands-on supervision you know i i mean i basically you know put the gun in her hands put her hands all in the right places you know and flipped the safety off for her i mean because it was too too big for her hands sure you know she she couldn't really she couldn't just flip the safety off herself she would have had to like put the gun down and like turned it on its side flip the safety off so know i put it in her hands all correctly flipped the safety off for her and then kind of braced her hands you know in in mine you know and let her pull the trigger which you know she she liked it but you could tell she was a lot more uncomfortable with that because it's you know handguns are a lot harder to hold on to it's a lot a lot more likely you're gonna pull the trigger and drop it you know so she she liked it she was but you could tell she was a lot more uncomfortable shooting it it was kind of like pull the trigger a couple of times and okay i'm i'm done with this that's you know enough of that
1: kind of uneasy
2: yeah yeah it was it was a cool experience for her but i i don't believe it was really all that enjoyable for her
1: Now, you know, you you mentioned something there that that got me thinking, you know, you were talking about how, you know, you kind of handed it to her and put her hands all in the right place. And have you guys noticed like when you a new shooter and it seems like especially a handgun, you know, you you and maybe this is a a fault of mine or, or a fault of people that I've, you know, been with who are introducing somebody to a handgun, but you hand them the gun and they're, they're very ginger with it. They, they, um, you know, like you, you kind of need to, I don't want to say manhandle, but like it's a gun. It's a piece of metal and, you know, springs and like you got to kind of manhandle the slide and, you know, I've just seen, and maybe that's just part of, that's just how it goes. I don't know. But what, what have your guys' experience, experience has been with that? Have you seen similar things where they're, you know, they're, they're, they're very ginger with it. They're, you know, they're not really, um, I guess j- just handling it properly, if you will.
2: Yes. Um, my experience would be, Yes, it's almost like they act like it's made out of glass.
1: Um, they yeah, don't That's a good way to put it.
2: No, they don't want to, yeah, they're very like delicate and ginger and it's like it's I don't I, I don't know a better way to put it other than like it's not going to hurt you unless, you know what I mean, it like you said, it's metal and spring. <laughs> it doesn't guns don't just go off. You know what I mean? You, this, you know, I've explained to you how this works, and it's not gonna just jump out of your hands or you know whatever. But you have to hold on to it, or when you pull the trigger, it will jump out of your hands.
1: Right, and and uh, like to be clear, I'm talking. I've told them there are, you know, I've showed them there is no ammo in this gun. I just want you to hold it, you know, m- maybe work the slide, get your grip, look, you know, look down the sights, sort of thing. Uh, and like you said it's like they they're holding it like they're afraid to break it almost you know and it's like you're you're not gonna break it you gotta grab it you know like
2: right yeah and i don't know what that is from or why that is but yes i've had similar experiences so i guess uh i i think handguns are just kind of awkward to hold in the first place like it's it's kind of an awkward feeling thing, you know, compared to other guns. Like it's, I don't know. They're, 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 kind of awkward and there are kind of, when you first grab them, it's like when you don't know anything about them, it's like, where am I supposed to put my hands? Like, how does this work? And, yeah. you know, and yeah, I've, I've seen the same thing and I kind of, what I kind of tell people now is like, that this is this is a tool like kind of grab it like a hammer you know like treat it like a hammer if you will like you know you're going to grab a hold of the thing you know you're going to use this thing to do work like grab it like that
1: that's a good i like that's a good idea i like that that's cuz that's you're right that's like that's the grip you need to have on it as if it's a tool And that's probably, you know, I I probably should do a better job in those instances explaining, showing them, you know, like you did, Jeff, like put their hand where it needs to go, you know, explaining where are the safe places to put your hand on the gun, how you should hold it, showing them in my hand sort of thing versus like, all right, so here it is, it's, it's unloaded, it's safe, you know, here you go, um, and they're, you know, like you said, like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> right. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think the analogy of a tool, too, because that's kind of at least what I'm using to try and work with Lily. Like, like you said, with power tools, with whatever, it's all the same, essentially. Like I tell her, that's not a toy, that's a tool. And I refer to guns in the same aspect you know, it's a tool. Daddy uses that to hunt. It's a tool. It can be dangerous. That's not a toy. (laughs) Um, so that's kind of the same mindset that I have kind of taken, you know, and like I said, I need to do better of going back and really drilling in like danger factor and kind of, like you said, the, if you see a gun, tell an adult, like, I don't know that, I've probably made it too commonplace to where if Lily, my daughter sees a gun, she's not going to touch it, but she's also not going to tell anybody It's just normal. It's just there, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm trying to do a better job about that, but I do drill in, you know, cause I've been, you know, today I was doing some home improvement type stuff and she wants to help and get into everything. And I've had to tell a couple of times I caught myself like stopping and saying like, it's not a toy put it down <laughs> that's a tool if you want to help me i will show you how to use it or you know you can help me use it but it's just very like because you know kids want to be kids they want to pick up a hammer and hit everything with it and it's which is fine it's all good kids can be kids until they start hitting breakable stuff or hitting me with the hammer <laughs> okay my son was running around the garage saying, bam, bam, and just hitting me in the knee as I was trying to
0: build shelves. So that was fun.
1: Cracking you in the knee with a hammer, huh?
0: Yeah, he's brutal.
1: So uh, one <clears throat> one book that we, ha- and I think Jake, you actually bought this for us and I had heard about it. Uh, one book for, for young kids, um, you know, it's, it's, it's illustrated like a, a kid's book. It's called, uh, toys, tools, guns, and rules, a children's book about gun safety. It's by, uh, Julie, I think her name's Golob. She's a, she's a competition shooter. She wrote this book and it, it talks about, you know, tools and guns and how, you know, they can be dangerous and, and you need to be with an adult and, um, you know, they're not evil or bad, but, but we just need to be careful when using those and, and just be safe. And, and if you're unsure, get an adult kind of thing. And so that's, that's a, a, if you're looking for a book like that, that you can, you know, kind of use as a starting point, I would recommend that I'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes and, uh, you know, you could check that out, but, uh, I, I, the other thing that I want to reiterate that Jeff touched on is making it very clear that it's at the new shooter's pace and, and, you know, I'll even do this, you know, when we move into like a real gun with, with my daughter, but, you know, if you're in that, you know, eight to 12 kind of age and you're introducing somebody to a, or anybody really, you know, an adult shooter that's new to it, like, I know you're, you know, like it, our tendency is to be excited and yeah, you know, you, this is so cool. Check it out, you know, and oh, let's try this one. And But I, I like the idea of like, we're going to go at your pace. If at any time you want to stop, you want to be done, you, you just, you know, you say the word and we'll be done and we can try again another day, you know, because like, at least for me, you know, I know my tendency is like, this is exciting! It's a, you're a new shooter. Check out how fun this is, and now yeah, oh, try this one, and oh, now try this one. You know, and like they, you know, I, I they don't. Especially if it's a if it's a youth, right? Like they don't want to let you down. They, you know, they see that you're excited, and they, you know, so you can. I think it can be easy for them to have a bad experience because they felt forced into doing something that they didn't want to do, if you will.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And the thing that really uh, put that in my head was uh, our cousin brought his girlfriend over at one point to to shoot guns. And we were all (laughs) excited and, you know, handing her guns to try or whatever. And, you know, the next thing we know, she's crying. And it's like, oh, you know what? What happened? You know, like what happened and it was just, she, she got so overwhelmed, you know, with like the, the power basically that having a gun, you know, gives you, you know, and just the fact that like guns are scary and it was like, Whoa, you know, like we weren't telling you, you had to do any of this. Like, you know, like you, you can shoot what you want to shoot and not shoot anything else. Like, you know, it it's completely at your pace
1: yeah because it is i mean it's a it's a you know i think probably more so with an adult new shooter it's like they they kind of understand like if i make a mistake with this i could kill somebody you know And, and that's that's can be a lot right like especially you know like I said, if you get excited and, you and you know, in that case, you know, we kept like, here, try this, here, try this, here, you know, and it's like, I don't know what to do, you know. So anything else you guys want to add on this topic?
2: I don't think so. I think, again, kind of just reiterating that same point, like you've got to keep it fun and do it at a pace that it's fun. Um, because if you're introducing your kids or you know youth to shooting hunting however you want to frame it Um, it's obviously because you are passionate about it and enjoy it and the ultimate goal is to get your child or whoever you're introducing to have that same enjoyment and passion out of it and if you go too much too fast or too big too fast you can leave a pretty negative taste in their mouth and then that's going to have negative impact not only on them but on you because then your kids aren't going to enjoy shooting or hunting which is what your ultimate goal is (laughs) you know so you got to make sure you keep it fun enjoyable at their pace if your ultimate goal is to get them to have the same passion or enjoyment out of it that you have um you know, you could, we persevered despite probably going too big too fast. I mean, I remember getting beat up by shotguns pretty early in life, um, but that's not always the case. You know, I mean, before you jump up to a shotgun that'll leave a bruise on your shoulder, make sure that they're comfortable with what might happen type thing. Um you know, cause like you said, you don't want to let them down. I remember shooting the shotguns, with dad getting ready to hunt or what, you know, and it was, that's what it was. I knew this was going to hurt and it was grit your teeth and bear it. And it's no wonder I couldn't hit anything. Um, you know, we yeah. all managed to still enjoy the outdoors, enjoy shooting, love hunting. Um, but you might not be so fortunate if you you know, just because you like to shoot your, in you know, in Dad's case, forty-five seventy doesn't mean everybody likes a forty-five seventy. And you know, my dad loves his forty-five seventy, and he wants everyone to shoot it because how nice of a gun! It's, oh, it's nice, nicest gun ever, and it is a nice gun. But, <laughs> but if you're not wanting to get thumped in the shoulder, shooting a forty-five seventy can leave a bad taste in your mouth. I mean, it just it has a little bit of recoil to it (laughs) um so you just gotta I I reiterate that same point where it's you know at the shooter's pace explain to them beforehand you know like jeff said maybe shoot it yourself in front of them so that they can see hear what it does what it doesn't do um the last thing you want to do is have them be surprised by it or scared by it after it goes off yeah yeah and i i don't know if we want to get into this too much or not but um you know when we were kids it was deer hunting especially seemed to be a lot less youth friendly because of the calibers you were allowed to deer hunt with you know you could it was shotgun only and, you know, basically your your options are a 410, a 20 gauge, and a 12 gauge. Well, a 20 gauge can be a lot for a youth hunter, and a 410 can be a little bit underpowered for deer. You know, it's not the most ideal deer round.
1: Right.
2: You know, so it, it there was... Sort of this gap where basically you had to start a kid with 20 gauge. Well,
1: and or... especially back then. Like I, I haven't right. looked into 410 today, but I would imagine there's a lot better ammo selections back then, back um, or today yeah. versus back then. I think back then it was just rifled slugs, right? I mean, they was maybe yeah. just getting into rifled barrels and sabos.
2: Yeah, I, I, I know, the, you know. uh, our our buddy down there his son started out with a 410 and i i am he got very very frustrated because he was shooting deer and not recovering them you know and i i don't know how great those shots were you know his dad was saying that i you know the deer should be dead but you know we we never found it you know yeah. so that that can be frustrating in itself. I mean, in my opinion, you want to have a youth shooter, you know, kind of use the most powerful gun, especially like with deer hunting, um, most powerful gun that they can they can use, you know, that they can use comfortably and accurately, you know, because. Basically, the the more power you have, the more margin for error you have. Right. You know, you can you can gut shot a deer with a forty five seventy, and it's probably going to die pretty quick. You know, you're you're you have a high probability of recovering that deer. Um, where that's not as true with you know less powerful guns. So you 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 have that much more. You need to make a better shot the less powerful the gun is, typically.
1: Yeah, I I uh, can speak to that whole 20-gauge for a youth. I mean, I, I started with a 20-gauge and, you know, with a bead sight on a smooth bore and, you know, shooting rifle hunks of lead. And, you know, I just remember not enjoying it. This, I can't hit anything with it. It's a single bead. I can't hit anything. This gun beats me up. You know, I remember being at the cabin, you know, it's the, it's the, now we had shot before this, but, you know, Hey, we're all going to shoot our guns the Sunday, you know, afternoon before deer season opens on Monday. And, you know, being a kid uh, shooting this 20 gauge, you know, all the guys are there, right? And I can't hit anything. This gun's beating me up. And, like, trying to hold back tears, man. I'm crying at the cabin because it just it wasn't fun. The gun was beating me up. It's, you know, like I said, I can't hit anything with this gun. This is not fun. I'm embarrassed. I You know, it just it wasn't good. I wanted to hunt, but, it, you know, it was just like I, I couldn't that gun, maybe at the time, maybe, you know, I don't know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I hunt today. So it, you know, it wasn't too terrible of an experience, I guess, I guess, but, uh, you know, it, uh, maybe was a year too soon or something. I, I don't know. That's going to be, everybody's going to have to make that decision for themselves as to when their kid is ready. And, you know, like Jeff said, that trade-off of the right gun that's, powerful enough to, to do the job with a little margin for error because it's a new shooter, a new hunter, There there's going to be some potential for error. Um, <clears throat> you know, you can kill a deer with a field point, but you don't hunt with a field point because you want that, you know, that margin for error. So... Right. Okay. Well...
2: And. I think now when you're going into like small game hunting, I think twenty gauges are probably pretty ideal for use. Where in deer hunting, I think a lot of times they're overpowered. What do you guys feel about that?
1: Yeah, like as opposed to a a twenty-two.
2: Well, as opposed to like a four ten. Like I I've. I feel that 410s, you know, for like rabbit hunting or dove hunting, you know, there's not enough margin of air to, you know, the kid's going to miss a lot, you know, because, you know, and now if it's squirrel hunting where it's a little bit more stationary, a 410, you know, can provide enough of a spread and, you know, enough of a payload to typically hit the target. But on moving targets, I I feel that four tens a lot of times frustrate shooters more than they you know than the lack of recoil helps them.
1: Yeah. I, I don't have a lot of four ten experience, but I, I could I could see that. i shot a four ten once at Clays and I, I it was hard to to hit Clays with a four ten. So Unless you guys have anything else, I think that's probably a good spot. Like I said at the beginning, you know, we're by no means experts on this. This is, uh, you know, our experiences, but but let us know what has worked for you or, you know, if you've got some things like, you know, we kind of touched on some things not to do. You know, if you've got some things to add to that list, let us know. And what is working so that, you know, people in the comments can can read that and benefit benefit from that as well if they're you know introducing new or youth shooters to firearms in general and uh yeah hopefully we can all get back to work here soon and and get life back to some sort of normalcy and uh with that I think we'll uh, talk to y'all next week so that's gonna do it for this week like I said let us know what what has worked for you if you've already gotten through you know getting your kids into firearms or if you've just gotten um you know people that aren't your kids maybe they're they're relatives or friends or family or whatever you've gotten them into shooting what what has worked for you and on the flip side of that what hasn't worked for you and either comment on the post that we make for this or uh, send us a message, and we can share that with the audience. Either you know, read the comments on the on the show here, or you know, make us make a post, make a story about it, something something of that nature. And the other thing I'll ask is, if you haven't already, go to ohiohuntsman.com/apparel and check out what we have to offer there. We've got T-shirts, we've got sweatshirts, and we've got decals. So, if any of that sounds like something you might be interested in, we've got some cool options over there. So, go over there and check that out. And that's one way that uh, you can support the show one, through just advertising, wearing, wearing one of our shirts. And two, you know, it helps us pay for all of this. So, that would be very, very much appreciated. So, with that. I want to thank you all for listening again we wouldn't do this if it wasn't for you all listening and and sharing and subscribing so continue to do that continue to uh, send it to your friends and let us know what you think and the other thing one more thing I just remembered just thought of this this is episode 89 that means we're coming up on episode 100 so what do you guys think what do you think we should do? Do you have any ideas? Do you, do you want to hear something special for episode 100? Let us know. Give us some ideas. If, if you've got something there that you want to hear particular, or you want to do something special for episode 100, seems like we should do something um, out of the norm, but uh, I want to hear from you all. So let us know. Give us your ideas on episode 100. And so with that, this is really... This is really me signing off. I hope y'all are staying healthy. I hope y'all are, are, you know, not impacted too bad financially with the, this whole coronavirus work from home. Um, you know, basically having the state shut down. So I I know there's, there's definitely people that are. So our, our thoughts and prayers go out to those people and, Hopefully we can all get back to life here before too long. So thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing and sharing. And we'll talk to you all next week.